0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education.
1: And welcome to the Pagan Show, where I'm going to talk to you about everything about pagans across the world. And on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. And uh, this is show 3,105 for those who are counting. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited about this show. This is a very different type of show. But let me go ahead and do a little quick announcement. Um, the Ed the Pagan Show you know, Magic and Miracle Tour is lining up. It's starting to be get out there. If you want me to come and visit your area, talk to you, and uh, more importantly, film for the major project of trying to get these 10 episodes out so we're ready for the National Associated Broadcasters, of 2021 it's a year-long project. Just getting started. I'm happy to hear from you. Um, Oberon Zell's found a new home. He's going to be in Nashville. He's moving to Nashville. Oberon's going to be moving to Nashville right after Pantheicon. So I'll have more about that. And uh, Church of All Worlds has been putting out very special messages across the board. You should check it out. You can check it out on the Daily Spell, where they've just recently put out their messages. And so we're really excited about that. This is the year 2020, and the author of the article, Sybil, will be on with us on January 12th. But tonight, I'm going to be bringing you something I think is really special. Um, as you know, I am a consumer of the Internet, uh, a major consumer of the Internet. And along the way, as you know, I, I, I grab memes to put up on my various sites. And one of the sets of memes that have really popped up and caught my attention, ladies, is a page called Millennial Incantations. And I found out they're also on Instagram and YouTube. And uh, I'm gonna ask about it. They did took on the 161 laws of magic, of, of Wicca and witchcraft. If you ever go back into our archives, we did that years ago. But I like their take a bunch better than ours. Ours was a serious inquiry. We explained it. Theirs, not so, maybe very serious, but not so so, so reverent. Um, and I want to get into this. And so. Um, I have Jamie, David, and Siren with me, the creators of, of the channel, YouTube channel, and much more. Are you guys there? You betcha! So. Hi. 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 <laughs> oh, there you go. And so, while we go ahead and start <laughs> Millennial Incantations, um, can you explain at Okay, so what is it? I mean, I I know what it is, but how would you explain yourselves to others without them being able to actually see it?
2: How I would describe Millennial Incantations is a multimedia platform that allows people of all walks of life to learn about Wicca, witchcraft, and paganism. That was really good, sis. Thanks, sis. That's
1: (laughs) So how did you guys get here? I mean, I always ask people a little bit of their comic book origins. You know, how did you get to become Millennial Incantations? What got you here?
3: Well, the three of us have been best friends and a coven for, I guess, um, at least since we found David, it's been about 10 years. 10 or 100, yeah. And, uh, and Jamie and I are sisters, so we've known each other, like, forever. Um, so it all started really last January in Jamie's apartment, and we were just hanging out for no good reason, and she sort of had a slam-her-hand-on-the-table moment, and she said, I just want to do more with my life. And it got us starting about all of these goals that we had that we'd never really worked toward. We were all just sort of in these humdrum jobs that were getting us by, but that we didn't super like hear about. We talked around all Mm -hmm. these ideas and we landed on starting a video series. And I think that Jamie brought it up, but it just clicked with me because I've always loved video editing and filming and, Mm -hmm. uh, David, do you want to take it away and talk about what inspired us to go from there?
0: And so we were thinking about um, just the pagan community as a whole. We were thinking about the expressions uh, that are being put out into the world. And we thought we would like to add to that conversation that's happening because we feel our take on Wicca, witchcraft, and paganism is different from what we're seeing in uh, contemporary social media and the like. So we decided that we should add our perspective, unique as it is, uh, into the world, and um, we just, we just freaking did it.
2: And then, too, the whole premise of this project was passion. We've all been passionate about this subject for so many years, and we wanted to help make other people just as passionate as we are. But equally important to us –
3: sorry, what did you say?
1: Don't be. Don't be. Go on. Okay. Um,
3: So it was equally important to us that we sort of debunk a bunch of, like, awful stereotypes and myths that people have. We wanted to try to create a space that was not only safe for Wiccans, witches, and pagans to learn about this topic, Mm -hmm. but we wanted it to be accessible to people who aren't pagans or witches or Wiccans, to learn about us. People who are curious and have maybe been said all these lies about, like, a bunch of just evil, awful stuff that's existed for many centuries now. We wanted to show them that that's not what we're about.
1: So you're as much moved by what you're not as what you are.
0: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Definitely.
1: Okay. Okay, that, those are good causes. As, uh, you know, you, you've got, you're right in mind where I love to hear about because I believe we should be having a lot more conversations.
3: Um, mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I is. Like <laughs> I've been at this for a little while, but, and I really, I think I, um, I really, I really enjoyed what you're, what you're doing. So one of the things I think that caught my attention, we're going to get into the 161 laws later. I really want to get into that because I really, that was probably the video that got my, caught my attention the most. Mm-hmm. It was no. the one that caught me like, so to let you know, that's the one that caught me like, Okay, that you have more than just a little bit to say, Um, which made you stand out. Because there's a lot, let's be honest, there's a lot of channels out there. There's a lot of information that's flooding out there. And I say magical information is no longer scarce. Um, You you probably agree. And you guys have had all the books in the world to learn from. Um, And so I, I say experiences. But the thing that really caught me once I started looking at it is that you've been making these beautiful colored memes. Um, and I think we all know what memes are right now, but for those who don't, there are small idea, pieces of idea that exist like viruses, but for thought. And they kind of catch on. If you can see them or hear them, you, you continue on. And I've noticed that you've done a lot of very colorful ones for diversity. You kind of had one series like uh, different types of witches and different types of pagans and different types of boys and genders and girls and transgender and all of these sort of really – and I think beautifully done memes. But you I believe they're they're all originating from yourselves. Um, oh my god,
3: thank you. <laughs> is that hey, true, you? You, have... you, guys
1: do, you do produce all your own memes that you put on your channel for the biggest part. Um,
3: Most of them. That. Every single thing that we put our tag on we've made.
1: And you're smart enough to put your tags on. So you guys are pretty savvy. I mean so what channels are you on? I know you're on YouTube. And why don't you go ahead and why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where your channels are? So, if they get bored with me talking to you guys, and they won't get
3: bored with you, they'll get bored with
1: me. Um, they can go ahead and they can find you on your channels. Why don't you go ahead and describe your channels for me that you're on right now?
3: Okay. Um, well, we haven't busted into everything we'd like to eventually, um, but we started with, I guess, the big triad of um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we're definitely doing the divide and conquer thing. Uh, So I'm Siren, and I'm running the Facebook. Jamie does the Instagram, and David runs the Twitter. And we thought that would be cool so that you're kind of getting a unique perspective on all of our different platforms, not just the same thing reiterated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, we're also on YouTube, which was Mm -hmm. the big one for us. And that's definitely all collaborative, everything on Mm -hmm. there.
2: And, um, and I think the, re- no, the, I think the reason why we decided to-
3: Oh, yeah. yes, they are all millennial incantations. Sorry. Except Twitter, the Twitter is uh, at
2: M incantations. Okay.
3: Good. That's what I
1: want to know. Okay, go on. we are about to say something. Um, the
2: reason why I think we decided to divide and conquer is because each platform is really, really, really different. You can't just you know, regurgitate mm-hmm. what's on one onto another. So Siren is very, very good at storytelling. So that's why he's in charge of the Facebook pages, because he is very good at um, writing in a way that keeps people very interested. David is really good at keeping that conversation going, which is why he's on Twitter. And I've more been interested in Instagram due to the fact that it's all specifically about photos and beauty And it's really interesting to see the different pagan groups you get on every different channel.
1: I agree. I agree with that. You you guys are doing the right thing by putting in context, Um, and you're putting them all in context because each channel has got their own context. uh, Because because I've been through a lot of channels over the years. I started, as you know, as people know, as I've mentioned before, I started out way in the ancient days when it was all one list, which was an email group. And uh, old forums, and we've evolved ever since. And I love seeing people evolve their programs. So yeah, I, I commented about TikTok, and I know that you guys are starting to look at that a little bit. And people, TikTok is like, don't don't ignore it. There's a whole another witch group out there. Zoomers on TikTok. I know it's um, I get caught up into that one. Um. So so you guys get into it. You guys started. I start producing material. So how's your, How do you feel your success has been so far?
2: Really great.
3: Okay. On, honestly, um, like, it sort of blows my mind when I look at our amount of Facebook followers, because deep down, I, I know that we're awesome, but we weren't, like, quite sure that, like, you know, other people would think so. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's truly, honestly, the amount of followers that we've gained is a testament to um, the just amazing attitudes that exist in the witch community uh, we decided that we wanted to just start putting stuff out there about being supportive to people who are different. And a lot of that has been about the queer community. Um, the queer community's language is ever-evolving and new identities are being you know, labeled for the first time all the time. And it seems really important to all these other witches out there that these people are validated and given a voice. And we are so all about that. So I look at our like 4,000 Facebook followers and just see 4,000 witches who value diversity, and that's really amazing.
2: It is.
1: Um, it is. And, and and I will be honest with you. I'm an early Gen Xer, um, just on the edge of baby boomers, depending on which
0: chart you use.
1: Um, and we've always I've always been very fascinated because. I think each generation has their fight within the witch community. I do. I think that I've seen this over and over. Yeah. The silent Generation very long ago just to be able to publish their books. The Baby Boomers, which is probably the most dominant force in there, they produce so many books but just to continue to be able to exist. And I think um, Selena Fox represents some of the best of them who are able – but she communicated very, very well. She actually put books – yes, there was a long time ago. We put spiral-bound books together with a list of all the groups that she could find – and magazines. And then of course ours was magazines, uh email groups. Yeah, MySpace for anyone who remembers that. Radio. Mm-hmm. We've gone on. To Vaguely. <laughs> so, so you guys do you guys actually remember MySpace or was that already gone by the time you guys got that?
2: Oh got we all. remember oh. So
3: okay. true story. Um I met my wife on MySpace. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had a different story to tell, but that's how it went down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> MySpace
1: was fantastic. I mean, I love MySpace. Too bad it didn't last, but I always warn people that <laughs> so that's one thing that I think you guys are doing right. You're not on one platform because platforms come and go. There's no question about mm-hmm. it. But the message that you're refining stays on. And I think one of the hardest messages, I think, it does. Uh, let me give you one thing. It does. If you, you overestimate – everybody overestimates what they can do in a year and underestimates what they can do in a decade. They just simply – it's the truth. And these things go on for mm-hmm. a lot longer. The, the questions that we do deal with today are some of the same questions we're dealing with today, uh, years. And I will tell you that I will say as a very progressive – I consider myself a very progressive person. I have a hard time and uh, my brother, most people don't uh, some people don't know uh died at twenty uh twenty two years old and was killed murdered for being uh gay and so oh,
3: wow.
1: I, oh yeah he was uh he came home from the Berlin nightclub one night he was really early in the States. this was thirty years ago, and he was uh and for one reason or another, he decided not get to get out of all the wedding garb and clear all his makeup and he got thrown in front of a tracks and we know. And eventually was found it was basically they didn't call him that, but there was a, you know it was that sort of crime they didn't like what, how he looked and so I'm very aware of those issues that's a very impactful issue um, but I have an eye I, I will tell you I have a hard time keeping up with all these terms that that have become emerging in our community and all the conflicts that are happening over it because it is a it's a very right thing to do, but it can be very difficult for For me, even, and I consider myself pretty progressive, like I said, to keep my mind wrapped around all of these terms. And um, it's very interesting. Uh, So why do you think the language is changing so dramatically and so fast? And I think it is changing. I think it's changing a lot and fast. And uh, why do you think it is changing? Do you guys have any insight into that?
2: First of all, on behalf of all of us, we're so sorry for your loss
3: Yeah, that's such a horrible story I'm very sorry to hear that And,
2: and um, oh, in okay. our family
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, The potential for hate crimes And you know, our coven And our family is always a very Real threat and something that Sometimes keeps me awake at mm-hmm. night And the having to go go Through that and lose someone up So much, I'm so sorry mm-hmm. Um but on to your, onto your question about why we think the language has been changing so much. I think what's happening is these people have always existed, and I think what's going on is they're finding their verbiage, not just pronouns, but who they are and who they identify as within just a simple word. Because although it may seem like just a word, it's a self-identifier.
0: Mm-hmm and i think um the the fact that conversations are happening so freely now communication uh, globally is such a huge part of everybody's daily life that the more conversations that are happening the more avenues are being explored the more vocabulary people need to acquire in order to maintain and participate in these conversations and so people are exploring people are learning about themselves, about other people, and when you learn more, you have more questions, and when you have more questions, you find more answers, and it's just recursive. You just end up adding more and more language to the conversation, and I think that's really what's happening. And I have to tell
3: you, Ed, um, sorry, I have to tell you, um, that a lot of the diversity witch memes that we've been putting out lately are words that I have learned because of our project, which is really amazing. Um, I thought of us as like a coven immersed in queer culture, and then we start, you know, saying support bisexual witches, support trans witches, and now people are like, well, what about this identity? What about that identity? Uh, today, we focused on gender fay and gender fawn witches, which are words that I learned, like, last week. Um, And, hey, Gender Fae, Gender Fawn Witches, I want you to know that not only are you beautiful, but so are your flags. Oh, my God, they're so pretty. Um, So it's just been such an amazing, unexpected consequence of this that I'm learning more about gender and sexuality from our followers on our witchcraft platform. We're basically living the dream.
1: (laughs) That's terrific. So, you know, Because we do go all over the world, and there's a lot of people out there who are listening to us, maybe even for the first time, and a lot of our people are, are new. I know we get a lot, and I know all the old students are going to say, you're going to do this. But yes, yeah, am. can you describe for our, uh, uh, for the audience, what, you, what do you mean by queer community, but what do you mean by queer culture? What is What is that? <laughs> what is that? How would you explain um, well, is? queer
3: is often used as sort of a giant umbrella term um, for a lot of different identities, and that umbrella is getting bigger every day. Um, some people might also call it the LGBT plus community, um, but I, I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with being a plus that stands behind these four big, highly visible identities. Um, and I know not everybody is comfortable with this either, but I, I use the phrase queer community to encompass just a lot of people whose either gender identity, gender expression, or sexual orientation is not encompassed by what we are told to believe is normal.
1: Okay. So so we know what that is. And so so that basically you're working with that, especially one of the things you express with all of those types of communities, that you're trying to express it so that they can find a home or find a way to feel connected to our community, from what I can tell. And you're doing it through memes, pictures, Twitter conversations, through social media right now. That
3: Absolutely.
1: Define it? Okay. All right. So I want to get to this 160. Okay. What made you put out that particular video? Because that is a sacred cow throughout the higher community. Uh, I, don't reaction, <laughs> oh. I don't know how much reaction. we have, I feel like <laughs> it we'll ruffle some
2: feathers again. <laughs> huh? Um, I said, "Uh oh, did we ruffle some feathers again?" <laughs>
1: uh, and if you didn't, you, you, trust me, if you didn't, you wouldn't be here today. Um, <laughs> I I swear, I, just got, I got called a fabric just yesterday. Um, so yeah, I'm never afraid of words. And I'm not afraid of ideas either. And I thought one of the things you – a lot of what you had to say about the way that the laws are phrased from gender and oppression points of view was a very fascinating to me. And I don't want to get put my opinion too much because I'd like to hear more of what you're you know, what, what made you take on that? Because it's one of the harder ones to tackle. It's a you – know, most people, truthfully, and I mentioned it to a lot of my tradition members, the Corellian tradition, we don't teach those laws. We, those are very old and gardenerian, so they're not a part of our system. And the majority of people don't know what those are. They, you don't know what they are. Look it up. 161 laws. Sometimes it's called 144 laws. Uh, Raven Grimassi was very much a teacher of them. Gardnerians were very much a teacher of them. Um, they came out of ancient times. I really think they represent an old system of revolutionary magic when we were like hiding, acting like revolutionaries and less like open public and accepted groups. So um, that's kind of the context for them, at least for me. But you guys really dealt with it. So can you talk about why and a little bit about for those – and why why did you feel it was necessary to take on those? Because I think they're almost forgotten, I think, in a lot of ways. Well, when we were –
2: we were deciding on what videos to post first last year. And we were going to do five all at once and post them all at once in bulk. And so kind of what we did because, you know, we have – pretty, I feel like a pretty good well of knowledge, but I just decided to go to the Wikipedia page, look up Wicca, and see if there was anything on there that we didn't know. And I saw 161 rules, and I was like, that's interesting. So I clicked on it, and I saw that it was a huge list, and, you know, we were having a meeting at the time, so I didn't want to get all the way into it, but I opened it up later, and when I got about four rules in (laughs) – That's when I decided that I needed to kind of close it up and I felt like it would be better for all of us to go in blind. So it was a table read of 161 (laughs) rules of the witch. And the reason why I felt like it was so important to talk about it was even though, like you said, they aren't really talked about anymore. I feel like it's so important to still go back to our roots and figure out where we come from. And then kind of figure out as a group and have our community figure out as a group whether or not these things should still be taught. We made a decision as a coven that (laughs) those things shouldn't be taught in their coven. But, you know, I just think it's really interesting having people hear them and get a good perspective on them, too.
3: So after Jamie pointed out to me these 161 rules that I'd also never read, and I consider myself a pretty well-read person, um, I did go in and analyze them immediately. And I was just so, I guess, horrified by all the sexism and ageism that I saw in there. And I just couldn't let it go. So every time we were talking about what video are we going to do next, like that was always the forefront of my mind. I was just like, we need to go in and kind of, sorry, destroy
2: this.
0: (laughs) We recognized, uh, I also did a pre-reading, so we recognized in, in reading a little bit before that there was so much tension between what the rules were touting and how we as a coven practice ourselves because in our minds, magic is endless and limitless, and it does not know age. It does not know gender, and to try to put magic into a box when you're not like enchanting something is ridiculous, <laughs> and we were just like, no, these rules cannot bind magic. That's that's insane. How could that possibly be? And maybe we're wrong, or maybe we're right. We have no idea. Let's introduce it. Let's talk about it, and maybe generate a conversation. So I'm really glad we did because be. Abbi. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. Um, this is actually so. I have learned uh, through putting myself out on the internet, kind of an unpopular opinion, apparently among pagans. Um, I'm I'm really disturbed by continuing um, religious intolerance, and that's from, from any side. Um, all three of us mm-hmm. here with you right now have experienced um, some kind of bigotry or oppression from people who call themselves Christians, um, and I think a lot of pagans have. But I just, for me, as an adult, I don't feel like that entitles me to throw it back at them I don't want to be a continuing source of that conflict. I do not want to go out into the world and spread hateful messages about Christians or anyone of any other religion. And, you know, we have to take the time period of the 161 rules into account, obviously, but I just saw so much Christian bashing in there, and it really did bother me, because I thought, like, why, why would we ever want to continue this conflict? I know it will not always be easy, but I firmly believe that we can and should get to a place where people of all religions coexist
0: peacefully, period. And the message of millennial incantations will always be inclusivity and connection. And that is what we wanted to show that those rules were lacking. And we decided to just go in, put everything into context, And let everybody know that millennial incantations is current and contemporary, and we are evolving. And if we want our coven to evolve, we need to cull rules and practices that don't apply anymore. And sexism is something that needs to just go.
3: Yeah, sexism has no place in Wicca witchcraft or paganism or also planet Earth. Thank you, bye. Or the universe. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: We'll see about that. We, I, I don't know that we won't find ourselves at the other end of um, discrimination by aliens. So we'll see about that. There will be a bigger
0: fight yet. Have. <laughs> you got um, We'll introduce them to our channel, and they will get over it. Yeah,
3: Millennial Incantations Absolutely. is pro-alien. <laughs> there you go. Um,
1: and so you, you identify with, your, with the, the idea of millennial, as in the age group. I noticed that. Is it because of your ages, or is there any other reason why you identified yourself? as millennial incantations, which means, uh, to me, it, it, just if you go straight forward, uh, spells of the uh, – small enchantments, uh, uh, small spells of the millennial, of the millennium, um, or millennium-long little spells. I mean, that's kind of what – you know, if you take a literal kind of thing like that, and I thought that was an interesting name, but you chose millennial. How come? Is it
2: – The reason why we chose millennial is because we are all millennials, and – we had noticed very recently that it that word was getting thrown around as kind of like a naughty word. A slur. Yeah, a slur. And so what we really well, wanted to do was was first of all reclaim the word and then secondly throw it into our title that we are millennials and that we're and just make a series about us being witches in the modern world and how to practice in a modern way. For us, it was very, like, we don't want to come out and say, like,
3: you know, don't call us bad because your generation is worse. We just wanted to say, yes, we are millennials, and we are not the things that you may think that we are, and we're going to show you that by being ourselves, not by smack-talking other generations.
0: And we kind of wanted to embrace the idea of being a millennial as iconoclasts, and we wanted to sort of take that and transform it. We are millennials, and our magic is different. And as you said before, the baby boomer voice in the witch community is one of the largest because they have just the biggest body of literature out there. And so now, in this day and age, here we are, and we're adding our voice to that chorus. And it's just something that we thought was really important to us to get our perspective out there and have it be honored.
2: And then also not only honoring ourselves and our generation, but also honoring the generations before us, including the Gen Xers and the boomers, as well as the generations that come after us. So the Gen Zers and then the generations that I'm carrying right now. So generation alpha and just really harnessing a culture of community.
1: That makes good sense. And believe me, generation X got buried by the boomers. I mean, we, they used uh, Generation Act much of the way the millennials was uh, um, uh, used as a slur, the Gen X got wiped off the board. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, they just, it just broke my heart. They did a chart of all the more generations, and they left us completely off the chart. It was, we weren't even there. They didn't even mention us. Um, but, we, but one of the big differences, I think, I see what, you, what you're doing, and, and you're doing a lot of it. So one of the things I've noticed that you do very well is that My God, the closets that you guys are dealing with are probably pretty deep. You show multiple doors. You deal with coming out. I noticed that you came out with Siren's new magical name. Uh, There was a teaser that you guys (laughs) did. It's one of the very few pieces you did. And then you did, of course, um, coming out of the broom closet, how to come out as, you know, you talked about coming out as a coming out of different closets. So it seems like a lot of your work is teaching people how to come out of their metaphorical closets on their various identities.
3: Can you explain a little
1: bit about that work? Because that seems very fascinating to me.
3: Uh, so I perfectly well know and understand that it's not, it's still not safe either physically or emotionally or socially for a lot of people to come out of whatever closet that they are in. But mm-hmm. I do believe that one of the only ways to change that is for those of us who can to come out and be true to ourselves. Um <laughs> So, for example, um, I learned in college that there have been a lot of sociological studies done that prove that people who have homophobic attitudes are more likely to change those attitudes after they spend time around gay people. And I think that's because once you interact with a person who has this label that maybe you thought you knew everything about, you realize that they're still human, just like you, Mm -hmm. and not maybe all these stereotypes that you thought they were. So... I think it's important for everyone who feels safe enough to do so to come out and be themselves, not only for their own good to feel free and to remove that weight of secrecy from themselves, but also to make the world a better place simply by being themselves and showing everyone else around them that they may not be these ugly stereotypes that people thought they
0: were. And we thought it was really important to kind of show up in service to these underrepresented communities and be a force of strength and beauty and humor, and also just show that we can exist and we can be creative and we can live our lives freely and openly, and we can be stronger for it.
2: And then also making sure that if someone isn't comfortable enough to come out, that they look at us as a safe space, which is why at the end of most of our videos we tell people to slide into our DMs, because we always want people to know that we are a safe space to talk to. Absolutely.
1: So it's very interesting because when um, so as, as I got started in the 90s, um, and one of the things I did right away was head toward the media. And so so yeah, I've got and that's where I began with radio shows and magazines and and that sort of thing. Yes, we used to print hand print magazines to hand out to people to tell them about paganism. So, uh, yeah, I yeah you know, I tell people that all the
3: time. Like really? Yes. You know, that sounds really tedious, but also, like, super exciting, and I'm super proud of you for printing out magazines. Yeah. That's awesome. No, thank yeah.
1: you. Uh, but they were expensive. I mean, they were cheap, there but they came down cheap. There was Xerox, which was the cheapest technology at the time. And I've always believed that you should use the technology out of hand. So when we're trying to fight, the fact that Facebook acts as a TV studio flips my brain in a way that's very positive, but I'm like, you guys got to understand, we fought tooth and nail. To get on television, to get on the news, to get anyone to notice us in the mainstream media, as cable was just emerging. And the thing the baby boomer or the older leaders say, "Don't wear your costumes. Don't wear your your outfits. Don't wear your jewelry out on, you know, out there. You know, look like a normal person. Whatever that meant. You know, put on your suits and ties. You know
3: what's that I'm not
2: familiar.
1: Huh? You're, you're familiar?
3: I said I'm not familiar. He's looking like a normal person.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the idea was that we're supposed to come out, especially as a religious leader, they want us to look like everybody else.
2: And the big fight
1: for actors was, no, we want to dress more like ourselves. And you know, I used to wear my jewelry, and I used to wear, you know, I did, I, I dress as I dressed, which was kind of normal, normalish. I mean, I, I was, you know, as we said, I said it was like neo hippieism at times, and that, you know, that sort of thing. And that was a big fight between Xers and uh, uh, the, the older boomers because they didn't want us to do, you know, be seen as anything like normal, like we're just a normal part of life. And so for a large part of the 90s and the early 2000s, the biggest thing they want us to do is to say, we have this alternative religion. And it's kind of interesting. It's not what you think it is. And, and like you said, the negative. We're um, always looking at the negative like we're, what we're not. And one of the strongest things that I found out, we started, uh, the groups that I was involved with, we decided to throw that out. We started calling ourselves Pagans in Public. We just as more of it as we chose. They're not as, as loud as many people do today. I think they're very colorful, and I think a lot of people, the fact that a witch hat is chic and that we're in the year of the witch, 2020. Oh, my God, this is the year of the witch. I don't care what anyone else says.
2: Um, you yeah, have
1: Queen. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's not, not a question in my mind. You know, Fort Salem is coming out, which I think is going to be fun. You have Sabrina, we love it or hate it. you got uh, a reboot of ma- Practical Magic. You know, you've got another Harry Potter movie coming out. You've got all of this sort of magic through it, through our um, pop culture, which I think is an important part. But it, now you – so you guys have picked up, and I, we discovered we were going to tell people what we are. We're not going to tell you what we're not anymore. I don't care, but we're going to tell you what we are. And I noticed that that started to emerge. So now you guys are going on, and uh, and you mentioned a little bit about, you know, kind of building back stereotypes. Do you feel like, uh, even at your age, that you're still dealing with negative stereotypes? Are you still really dealing with them a lot, or is it something that that you're doing because you feel like you have to?
2: Um, Yes, I do often beat back negative stereotypes. But how I try mm-hmm. to approach those situations is always educational, positive, and funny. So I just try really hard if somebody, you know, when the, when sometimes people's eyes widen a little when you say you're Wiccan or you're a witch or something, and, you know, you get some typical questions that people ask you. And so what I try to do is just, you know, either tell them, you know, that's not right or that is correct And if it's not right, educate them really quick and try to keep it interesting. And honestly, 98% of the time when I come out of the broom closet to someone, it ends up being very, very positive at the end. And just really making it so I open that door for communication and education and keep it really positive and I try to keep things funny anyway really makes it so someone who doesn't know a lot about Wicca is comfortable and feels safe enough to ask those questions.
3: I haven't had to deal with this much um, in the last few years, but um, I am the child of a very, very, very Christian woman. And uh, I first started studying Wicca when I was 11, and I kept that secret from her for as long as I could Um, But she did find out when I was 14, and there were explosive conversations that happened over this. For the longest time, she was very resistant to hearing anything other than her preconceived notion about devil worship and evil and going to hell. And to to be honest, we haven't still entirely conquered that. Uh, We sort of exist in a space where... Um, she's comfortable with me as long as we don't go too deep into it. Um, I did sort of, I guess as a, a lesser goal, um, want to start our YouTube series with the hope that she would watch it and maybe learn about my spirituality and how it differed from what she always thought of it. And uh, I wish I could tell you that I know how that's going to turn out, but I don't. <laughs> Well, that makes
1: sense. No one knows how these things turns out. i spent my life, so a lot of us have spent our lives uh, dealing with that and that. And it's one of the hardest things I think we deal with in our community is our families. And that's a lot of times where yeah. we feel very strongly about how wicked is. You know, wiccans and our coven's are all that sort of thing. So let me go ahead and take this little thing. So we've been mostly talking about what your mission is, but what are your favorite practices? Can I find out, you know, you mentioned witchcraft, witchcraft and things like that you guys have a particular faith practice or faith practices you have? Or are you more of a general? How do you describe yourself as a practice?
3: So we're actually a very um, eclectic coven. Um, And I do want to tell you that our main coven is two other people beyond the three of us. And then we have sort of an Mm -hmm. extended coven of other people who come to our events when they can. But um, we've become very comfortable with our different belief systems coexisting, which is honestly just beautiful. Um, In our What is the Difference Between Wicca, Witchcraft, and Paganism video, which is one that's very dear to my heart and still probably my favorite, um, we announced ourselves as Jamie is a Wiccan, Big is a Witch, and Siren is a Pagan. And I mean, we're all Mm -hmm. witches, really, aren't we, though? But um, we chose to separate ourselves with those labels to sort of highlight our differences. Um, And I said that I call Mm -hmm. myself a pagan because I do absolutely have spiritual beliefs, but I find um, that Wicca is sometimes too restricting and doesn't quite match up with them. And I enjoy the freedom to learn about every single religious belief out there that exists and decide what I think of it. Do you guys kind of want to tell about your perspective?
2: Yeah, Sarah's completely right. Our coven is totally eclectic and I find that we have so many strengths in not really conform all of us conforming to one ideal of what being a modern witch is and how I like to say it is when we're in circle because of our differences we represent key corners of pagan faith so David many times will focus, on, because he identifies as a witch, he'll focus on the ritual and what that means. And Siren being pagan will bring in deities that we may need for a particular Sabbath ritual or spell. And for me, being Wiccan, I might be the one who is more focused on, you know, the meaning of the entire reason why we're there. So because we're also, there's so many different facets that brings us all so much closer together no matter what we're doing. And it allows us to have a different perspective and really listen to that perspective no matter what we're doing.
0: And when we get in circle together, we, we kind of bring all of these different perspectives together and coalesce that into something transformative and beautiful. Like Jamie said, I identify as a witch. And so for me, my practice of witchcraft is basically my religion. I don't necessarily concern myself with a greater or higher power or deity. I don't care about the afterlife. I know what my experience is here on this earth, and witchcraft is sort of an extension of my senses. It's an extension of my body. It's a way for me to manipulate the world around me, and it's a way for me to experience it through uh, avenues that I never could as a simple human being. And so for me, it's just about living here and now in this moment, in this world that I can see. But to be able to experience somebody else's faith, to be able to experience the way they see deity, to be able to experience the way they see culture and religion, the way that my, my fellow coven mates do, is beautiful. And since I can't drum up that emotion or that experience myself, Having that experience through them by proxy is a very religious experience for me. It is the closest I will ever come to experiencing deity.
2: And differences in a coven, I don't feel, are ever a weakness. Absolutely not. They're always, always, always a strength. Always. And being able to see our face or how we practice from each other's eyes and through our hearts and souls and... In circle is a very emotional and beautiful thing, and I wouldn't have it any other way Mm-mm. Absolutely, definitely not. not and and I think we touched on this earlier,
3: but um like we said we've we've um had like all sorts of other people from outside our group come to Sabbaths and rituals before, and um you know some of them have been Christian, like I mentioned, I am so about religious tolerance. And still, we always seem to find a way for everybody to feel comfortable, even though we all believe such different things. I think, honestly, that's kind of our true power. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Oh well, yeah, that makes good sense.
1: You really explained that very well. I appreciate that.
3: Oh my god, thank that little you, thank oh you, uh, So you guys are into reclaiming words, and
1: it's, uh, people who have listened for me a long time know that I'm big into reclaiming words. Um, and so out there, you know, one of the things I, David, I heard you mention witch. Um, a lot of men are now, there's a lot of movement towards the term warlock. I mean, and there's been a reclaiming, trying to work on a reclaiming of warlock. So I find that very fascinating. Um, I'm a witch. So man, man, make, make it very clear, I see myself as a witch, a Wiccan, and a pagan. Um and when people ask, describe my own self, it says, well, what's your faith practice? Well, I'm a, uh, I'm a Wiccan, and I represent myself in the interfaith world as a Wiccan. But I represent myself in the moniker that I use is that the pagan. I've always been a pagan to the world. And so, but you guys are doing it with sexuality and language. Are you finding that, is, is that you know, are, do you find trying to reclaim words and working words? Are you Do you find yourselves find, sometimes finding it easy to do that, or is it sometimes difficult, or how do you feel about like when you hear words that you're hearing one term and, and find them and discovering people are referring them to a different word? I know how the are reacting to it, but um, my, <laughs> my own generation is less intolerant of some of them. But how do you guys deal when you find yourselves, like you said, last week, given you found one, um, is it Faye and Fun that you were talking about? Yeah. The idea of the words are. Okay. I didn't, I didn't hear that right. Um, So how do you guys deal with that? Would you find a word that people want to use differently? You know, do you just accept it as it is, or do you have a process?
3: I would love to talk, actually, about the word warlock, because I had a complete change of opinion on it um, a couple weeks ago. Um, Mm -hmm. So first of all, I totally reject this idea that women are witches and men are warlocks, because you should never Mm -hmm. let your sex or gender determine what you can and cannot be ever, Mm -hmm. never, ever, my dears. Um, So there's, you know, the common opinion among older generations is that warlock means oath breaker and it's a terrible word and it's a slur. Um, And it is sort of annoying to me whenever there's um, an image or talk of a male witch and someone has to pipe up and be like, don't you mean warlock? And then I have to be, like, very politely, no, I did not. Um, so, anyway, I do want to tell you about this fabulous article that I read. And I'm totally going to give him a plug because he's a great writer. Um, on the Patheos blog, Storm Fairy Wolf wrote an article called The Rise of the Warlock. And I read it because I'm very fascinating in, like, any kind of gender politics. And um, he basically just said that, We absolutely must reclaim this word. Um, He was tired of the oathbreaker connotation being thrown around. And he detailed like all the ways that the word warlock gives him strength. And reading about it from his perspective, I can't reiterate it perfectly. Honestly, I would just recommend that you all read it because it was such a well-written article. But after I read it, I had this complete change of opinion about warlock being a dirty word. I mean, I have reclaimed the word queer. I have on occasion reclaimed the word faggot. If you yell faggot at me outside of a passing car, I will flip my hair and say thank you because I know what you really mean is that I'm pretty. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I think that we should be open to all kinds of word reclamation. And if there are warlocks out there who are proud of that identity, then let's just let them have it. Okay? But still, mm-hmm. you can be anything no matter your sex or gender, just so I'm clear.
0: I think the idea of reclaiming words, um, I guess, through sexuality, um, especially words like queer, which, again, was like a very big slur back in the day. But now it's a commonplace uh, term to represent a vast and growing community. And I think that reclamation is sort of analogous to the way we work as millennial witches, honestly, where we reclaim our title as millennials. We reclaim our title as witches or Wiccans or pagans. And I think to Siren's point, if you're a lady out there and you want to be a warlock, get it. Yeah, do it, girl. Go be a warlock. Go be a witch. Go be whatever you want to be. be. Don't be ruled by a label. If that label doesn't suit you, then you don't need it. If it gives you power, embrace it. If not, don't.
2: Yeah, you can be anything you want to be. Just don't be an asshole. Yeah. You can said that nice perfectly. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. Actually, and um, anyone who wants to contest about this thing, go check out Christian Days. And he has a $1,000 that he's put out there to prove that, that that Warlock stood for Oathbreaker prior to the early part of the, the craft. So he's still out there, and no one's yet proven it enough to claim the prize, so... Actually, so it's out there. So the Warlock's out there. Oh, good. You, you heard it. There's more people out there. Um, for 10 years, I've been working with a lot of people who have reclaimed. Because you got to remember, Starhawk set out, and then people don't remember, set out to reclaim the word witch, because witch was equally as bad slur. And to this day, um, and everybody knows I wrote the Witch Wars Defense Manual. Yes, I'm working on the secret art of Witch Wars. I'm bringing out the sequel or the rewrite of it to update it. And in this case, I'm using the word "witch as the outsider in the book is it's about how to deal with the fact that you're suddenly going to find out that you're a scapegoat and that you're gonna be you're being isolated outside of it and "witch" is just one term that is you know I'm using the term in that book, I'm using the term witch is that the outsider, the person who does not conform to the rules and because uh, that's you know that's one of the essentials and and I think. Now we have so many words, in this, and this—and I call it the Year of the Witch. I mean,
0: there's been some great
1: articles out there. Uh, Look up one on Pathos. Twenty Twenty is the Year of the Witch, and we're we'll going to be interviewing the author on the 12th. Yay! Um, so I do think that it is that, and you guys have really done a really good job. And I think what you guys have done—and let me go ahead and you know honor you guys a little bit—I think what you've done is you've done it for being pushy. So let me be honest, Xers, I'm. I'm not into so much of sexual politics because I've been a father and I had kids and mostly I'm, I've been called breeder so many times. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So that's, that's it. And I actually describe myself as pansexual, meaning love is love. Whatever's out there is out there. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I find myself um, and I misidentify, I'm, you know, I always talked about pansexual with a heterosexual bent um, not afraid of male intimacy. I'm not afraid of any of that, but at the end of the day, that's you know if you really want to know what trips my trigger, there you go um but I've seen lots of belly dancers with both sexes that just drive me crazy, so people you know when I'm at festivals feel free to belly dance in front of me, I'll be a very happy, man. Um, oh, no Same. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: there you go but, um,
1: so but uh, um but out there one of the things I think that is very interesting because. The majority of people see, I do believe, male witches, and male Wiccans, as gay. I've been in a room full of mostly gay men, and they're like, "Oh, we're all gay here." I go, not quite, but I'm gonna let that go. Um, I do see that that's a, that's one of those things. So I do think that there's now a propensity in our community not to see the males, you know, the males as more effeminate, and I find that very fascinating. The idea of male mysteries is almost vanished in our community. So. I think that's a very interesting as we evolve. I think there's this idea of where, where the ball moves in, in doing so. And I think it's going to be – I think you guys have got a fight ahead of you. I think you guys have got to do fight ahead of you. I think you guys got a really big fight ahead of you when the boomers Ooh. really start to, to exit out. And I think that's going to be um, one, I think, that is called equality. And not that you guys are equal, but dealing with the fact that everybody's going to consider you guys equal and they're going to care more about what you do. Where well, there's going to be, I think, a little less fight of the identity, and more about, well, what do you do as a community? So, how do you guys see that? As you're going on, you're really working in identity. But what are you doing to help build community? How you know to be effective in your community to actually make a difference? Have you guys thought about that at all, or are you working on that?
0: Well, right now, the the biggest uh, obstacle is really just getting exposure and kind of getting ourselves out there. Um, we have sort of thrown out a few ideas of getting involved in, um, pagan events locally, um, and trying to figure out kind of where we fit as far as that's concerned. But right now the, the, the biggest obstacle is just kind of getting our point of view, um, situated creating a foundation for ourselves that way we have the proper platform to present ourselves Mm -hmm. to the world and start making changes right now the the goal is to create conversations and then continue those conversations
2: and another thing too that we're really striving for is conversation because there are specific ways that we've done things for, you know, over a decade at this point. And we're realizing really, really quickly that there's no right way to Wicca, Wicca how you wanna. So, you know, opening that door, starting that conversation. And we have learned so much from the people on our different platforms, on our different pages, on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. So, I think for the community aspect, is just talking to each other and seeing what different paths everyone walks.
3: So I'm going to give Jamie a shout-out that she almost gave herself but didn't, but you deserve it, sis. Thanks. Something that my sister does in every single one of our videos, at pretty much every opportunity she gets, is to remind all of our viewers that whatever they're doing, yes, they can always learn more, but they are good enough exactly as they are right now. And she always tells people that if you aren't doing things exactly the way we are, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. Jamie is always so focused on everyone just feeling good about themselves. And valid. Yeah. That's your greatest strength. You are definitely the heart of our coven.
2: Stop, stop, Stop.
3: I can't stop. You're beautiful. Thank you. Um, And I I really am honestly inspired by her and every time we put any kind of message out there I think about the way that she operates and how I just want everything that we say to make people out there feel better about themselves. There's so much awful shit in the world all the time and I'm not going to get into that but basically just having any kind of knowledge about what's going on anywhere in the world can make you feel awful. And when you add to that, that there are a lot of people out there who want you to feel bad about yourself. I think the best thing that we can do with the platform we've created is to combat that in every possible little way that we can. And that's what I want to do. Every time I send out a meme or a picture or a message, that's what I want it to do.
0: We want to create a safe space for people to express themselves And to explore their creativity, explore their craft, and learn and grow and evolve in a way that's organic and good for them. And not force them into some sort of box or paradigm that doesn't serve them in any way.
2: And always, always, always love yourself and love what you do. Yeah, girl. Yeah.
1: First and foremost, uh, happiness is the ROI. Of life, not money, not anything else. I agree with you. Happiness is what you should be going for. So okay, so we're coming to the end. This has been a fast hour. Thank you. Um, and it's well, been very impressive. Um, so, how do people get a hold of you? How do they, how is how how do you guys be contacted? How do you guys want the world to reach
3: you?
2: We slide into our DMs, BB. Yeah. So.
3: Uh, okay. I will tell you that um, running the Facebook platform, I am freaking addicted to it, and I cannot get off my phone. I just can't. Um, if you message us through Facebook, I will absolutely respond, probably within five minutes, unless I'm at work, in which case, as soon as I can get away from my boss, I'll respond to you <laughs> in like seven minutes. Um, That's how it, really, contact us
0: anyway. At us on Twitter, mincantations. Or
2: get into our DMs on Instagram, Millennial Incantations. Or leave a comment on our YouTube channel because that makes me so happy. Or you can email us, Incantations at com.
1: So it's so refreshing every day. I tell people all the time, um, I know people are getting hearing it, to keep up the content. Remember, we cannot put too much content out there. Um, you know, people don't realize how many people look at me when I'm crazy. I think groups should be putting out 50 pieces of content a day. People look at me crazy all the time for that. Do you guys you consider t-shirts? You should look at, at a Shopify or a printful account and do t-shirts with some of your materials. They're really pretty or print. I think you've got, okay. Uh, so,
3: so no spoilers, no spoilers, but let's just say it's on our radar. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. That's Fair enough. I especially think that your pictures as prints would be beautiful. I mean, and well done. And I think there's a lot of people who could, could see those every day. But So good. Um, I'm glad you guys told so you guys are on top. I didn't need to say that. Sometimes people make me feel like an old man. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but, no, you guys have done a really great job and everything else. we got it out there. So last thing I, I'm going to ask, is there anything about that you – so one of the things that I always hope is that the youngest people who have made it here to the sand, like, oh, wow, I want to be this, what should they know most about them stepping into it because they're in the closet or they're you know they got the parent or you know they're they're a 70 year old child and if they're 70 year old children believe me um who's ready to you know, kind of just start to explore this world or or anything what would you you know what a piece of advice would you give them to kind of step into our world
2: do things in your own time translate materials how you feel is best in your heart to translate them into your everyday practice. Start with really small things that make you comfortable and then watch our YouTube series. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah. <laughs> I would
0: say definitely, um, definitely start, start wherever you're comfortable. Um, really decide what your motivation is for exploring the craft in whatever facet it may be, decide what you want to get out of it and how you wish for it to serve you, and then incorporate that into your life in some sort of small but meaningful way, and then let that grow and cultivate that and let it become something wonderful that can enrich your life, and maybe do that while you're watching our YouTube series, (laughs) Millennial Incantations on YouTube.
2: (laughs) Okay, as
3: soon as I can stop tackling. I really want to say something. Well, no, oh, my gosh. Go ahead. Okay. Um, The advice that I would want to give any new witch out there is check, like, every opinion on every subject out there and just get comfortable with not having a concrete outline of what your spirituality is. It's always open to change. That doesn't mean that what you're doing right now isn't valid, but the moon goes through phases, so so can you. You always have the freedom to grow and change, and just because you may become someone wiser or better or cooler doesn't mean that who you are right now isn't just
0: as great. Just always be open to change. Always be open to new information. And open your Internet browser to millennial incantations <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> so, so, if I'm
2: getting
1: your message right, so if I'm getting uh, your message right, you know, be open, take your own time, take everything else. And eventually, the most important thing is to open up your YouTube browser to millennial incantations.
3: Absolutely. You so get us. You, you get us. Are you are so it. sharp, Ed. And you are so on it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: Well, I thank you for being right. on with us tonight, and uh, you've been listening to uh, the, the Pagan Show on The Pagan Tonight with Mel, Incantations. and uh, this won't be the last time you hear from them. I think that they're going to have a lot to say. I'm going to have them back here. Um, tomorrow's show, I think we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to do Stephanie Neal, which is going to be talking about Vision 2030. And if you know people who I should be interviewing, let me know. Um, that's, that's, we're out there doing it. And tonight we're going to leave with uh, S.J. Tucker's, Dance of the Fairy Ring. I think it's kind of appropriate. There you go. And good night, Mm -hmm. everybody.
3: Good night, Ed. Bye. Bye.